Um, we, of course, have been walking through the way of peace. This is week six. And uh, the first four weeks, of course, we're very much more uh, focused on uh, this vertical relationship of us and Jesus. And uh, last week, Pastor Joshua began to shift that as we're talking about different elements of, of community. And so this week, we're looking at celebration in community. Um, and uh, we, we looked specifically at John 17 last week, how Jesus was praying to the Father. It's a very famous section of Scripture called the High Priestly Prayer. And he prays and he says, uh, Lord, let them be my disciples. Let them be one, even as you and I are one. And that's in itself a powerful statement about community, that God is three in one. He is Trinity. So all the things we desire to see in community, we can look at God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons in one, and how that is the prime example of what community should look like. And that's what Jesus is praying, that we could be so united in purpose that we're one, that we're part of him. He is in us, and it makes us one. Now, just before that prayer, Jesus spends a lot of time in, this, in the book of John, he spends several chapters talking to the disciples. Now, the timing here is, is really interesting, is this is at the, the time of the Last Supper. And he, he has a long uh, teaching there about unity before he dives into the prayer. Now, he, said, he makes a couple of very interesting statements for our purposes uh, this morning. One of them, John 13, 35, he says this, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And that's a verse we hear often, but I, I started thinking about this and, and putting it in perspective of this moment, this very key moment in the life and ministry of Jesus. You see, Jesus was a real man and he had an actual reputation and he has actual students and he is thinking about, okay, I'm going to go away from you and when I go away from you, I want you to keep doing what I've been doing so that they will recognize this, the, the, like, the, the DNA of my ministry with you, that they will see what you're doing and go, wait a minute, you know who, you know who worked in this exact same way? That Jesus of Nazareth guy. Like, that they'll notice you, in other words. It's almost like you'll have my accent in this way, and this is what it looked like. You will really love one another because that's what we've done here. You know, it's sort of talking to his group. We have loved one another as we've walked through life and we've walked through lots of hard things. And we've loved each other so well and that when I go, I want you to keep doing that so they will recognize me in you. Well, that's quite a reputation, isn't it? So, that wasn't all. He made another statement. This one I think is interesting. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. He's urging this little Christian community to, to, to be one so that their joy would be complete, that their joy would be full. And again, you have to think about Jesus' reputation. You remember back about six years ago when we were studying the book of Luke? <laughs> That's a joke because it was in January that we started that, but it seems six years ago. We were studying the book of Luke 
and then got totally interrupted because of COVID and everything. And, and so then we had to come back and finish it later. But we were studying this book and I was struck, and we talked a good deal about it here on Sunday mornings. I was struck by how often Jesus is feasting. He's hanging out with people. He's having dinner parties all over the place. And he's, he's hanging out with everybody. He's hanging out with the ones you'd expect and then the ones you wouldn't expect. You know, he's hanging out with the, the rich and, and snooty Pharisees. They're inviting him over. He's like, cool, I would love to come have dinner with you guys. He's hanging out with them. He's hanging out with tax collectors. These are the high and mighty ones who were like thieves and basically were oppressors to their own people. And then, of course, he's hanging out with the, the down and outers and the ones who are pushed to the margins of society. He's hanging out with everyone, and he's having a good time. In fact, it becomes so much a part of his reputation that, they, that people begin to make accusations. People who hate him make accusations that him and his disciples are just a bunch of drunkards. Do you know why they're making that accusation? Because he's going to all the parties. <laughs> they wouldn't have said that. They would have said he's just a big killjoy if he's not. He's right in the middle. And Jesus is bringing joy everywhere he goes. And his people bring joy. That's what they do in this little micro community. So here he is at the end of his ministry. He's about to go die. They don't know this. But he is praying, Lord, make them one like you and I are one, so their joy can be full, so that people will remember, man, you guys have, the, you guys have all this joy, like you're laughing all the time and you're so encouraging and uplifting in the middle. You know who else was like that? That Jesus of Nazareth guy. Because he had a reputation and he wanted them to carry that on. Now this is really fascinating when you consider the people he was working with. He was not working with a bunch of you know, yes men. Jesus didn't have a bunch of yes men. Jesus had, first of all, a couple of groups of hot-headed brothers who were so competitive, they actually asked him which one of them could sit at his right hand. They actually, it wasn't just that they were thinking it and like being like secretly, no, they're full on punching each other in the jaw saying, I want to be Jesus' best friend. No, I want to be. Like, that's what's going on here. And if that wasn't enough, he had two, two people that would have been polar opposites in society. Now, we live in a pretty polarized age. In fact, I don't know if you guys heard this. I, I think I saw, might have seen it once or twice on social media, but there's kind of a big day coming up this week having to do with polarization in society. So I, we see... And we go, whoa, this is scary how, you know, angry and, and just how polarized we've become. And I do grieve that. I think it's a terrible thing. Jesus was dealing with something far, far more, uh, more dangerous. He had, he had a tax collector who was considered a Roman sellout, a traitor, okay? A traitor to the Romans. That's, what, that's the way a lot of would have seen him. And a zealot in Simon. A zealot, it's not just a zealous person. This is an actual group he was like affiliated with. It, it was a sect of, of people in Israel who were so opposed to Roman rule that they would sneak up behind soldiers and slit their throats. Okay? They would have been considered by Romans terrorists. So you've got a, a, Ro, you know, a Roman sympathizer stealing from his own people 
and one who would have been out to completely undermine and kill them. Okay, this is a little bit beyond left and right. This is a little bit beyond Democrat and Republican, okay? This is intense. And somehow, in the middle of all of that, somehow there's peace and joy. Can we just pray for this week real quick? Can we just do that? Lord Jesus, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And let your peace and joy cover this land. Even in the midst of extremely tense situations, Jesus brought joy and he brought peace. And this is what he's calling us to. And I, I actually wonder, I, I just hadn't thought much about this whole passage of scripture in the direct context of his disciples. Like, I know he's praying it for us, but he's also praying it for these immediate men uh, right there in his immediate context. And, and um, I wonder if he was even just specifically, if he had a concern for Matthew's safety. Or for, or for Simon's, like, or did he worry that these guys, like, he was, able, he was able to keep peace, but what happens when he goes? Like, are they still going to be able to love each other? So that's a part of his concern for us. You see, because people wind up in all different areas of what they believe about temporal issues. And Jesus said, be one. He calls his people to be one. In other words, to rise above those things and to love one another. That's what he called his people to. That's what he called us to. That our joy might be full. In other words, Christian community, guys, is supposed to be a source for joy. It's supposed to be a place where celebration happens, and it happens all the time. What is celebration? I looked this up in Webster's 1828 Dictionary, and there's... uh, Interesting uh, range here uh, to praise, right? To extol, to commend. We celebrate in our worship, for example, on Sunday morning, right? Celebrating, commending. Also to honor or distinguish by ceremonies and marks of joy and respect. This is interesting because if you look at the Old Testament, there's all kinds of times that are specifically marked for celebration. There are holy, there are holidays, holy days, that are given to the people. For example, the Sabbath, which we just talked about uh, a few weeks back. The Sabbath, like a time to rest and set that aside and not work. This is a holy day. These are days that you're supposed to relax and have fun and eat a good meal and blah, blah. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a, a, a day that is marked for a kind of celebration. But there's more than that. There's a lot of different feasts that are listed. Uh, there's three big ones that people would end up traveling back to Israel for. Uh, There was the Passover, of course, which is linked with the Feast of Unleavened Bread to commemorate something amazing that God did for his people. And then, seven weeks later, there's the Feast of Weeks, or Pentecost. That's another time they would come to commemorate things that God is doing. And the same with the Feast of Tabernacles, which is a really fun one. That's you get all this kind of time off, and they, like, hang out and camp in tents. Like, these were feast days. These are days where joy and celebration is to break out, right? Commemorating something big. Well, after Jesus came and, and, and left and the church began, 
over the centuries, the church then has, has added different celebrations, which I think is right and good because God never said, do not add celebrations. Like, for example, like, shouldn't we celebrate Jesus' birth? Like, yeah, I think that's a good idea. I think it's a good idea. And, uh, and so we celebrate Christmas today. We celebrate Easter today. But see, the church has done it. They've done it differently than, than we find ourselves doing it today. Like they, they added the season of Advent, which is this waiting, this waiting where we enter into that period of, of, of identifying with the deep longings of people waiting for the Messiah and then Christmas comes. But their Christmas wasn't just a day, it was 12 days. It's Christmas tide. They celebrated Christmas for 12 days. Like the feast went on, the celebration went on. I keep looking at that every year going, man, we're doing Advent, but like, I, like just like for my own family, like we've got we to stretch out the celebration of Christmas. Like it's like, open your presents, have every meal. Okay, we're done. Like, well, we spent all this time waiting. Why don't we spend more time feasting? So we're going to work that in somehow this year. I'm not, yeah. But then there's more than that. The church calendar goes and adds other things like the Epiphany, the Feast of Epiphany, which is uh, uh, like usually the Sunday around January 6th. And that was a day that was, is commemorating, well, the, the end of, of Christmas time was also commemorating the appearance of Jesus and his ministry. And, and some groups took it, they took a whole season there where, where for the next five weeks or leading up right until Lent, they would feast every single Friday. And their feast would be honoring somebody like John the Baptist. Isn't that cool? Like, I am not, I, have, I wasn't raised in a liturgical church, um, and I know some have had, like, bad experiences and ones that are more liturgical. I understand that. But there is some richness here, and, and I, I think this is, like, treasures old and new. So as I look at some of this, I'm like, oh, my goodness, there's more reasons to celebrate. And then you get to Easter. And again, sometimes I feel the same way about Easter. A lot of people, uh, uh, you know, um, celebrate Lent to, you know, maybe a period of fasting or staying, uh, 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 you know, fasting from something anyway and, and thinking about Jesus and the pains and the trials of Jesus. Then we get to Passion Week, which of course we celebrate here. And then Easter is one day. Well, that's not the way it actually is in the liturgical calendar. They keep, they keep celebrating every single Sunday all the way up into Pentecost. Easter is seven weeks long. Isn't that so cool? You see, more reasons to celebrate. And then you get to Pentecost, and that's not just honoring Acts 2. That's a full-on birthday celebration for the church because that's when the church was born. I just said to Joshua, first service, we're going to do that this year, right? Can we do that this year? We're going to do that this year. We're going to make Pentecost a bigger deal because it's pretty awesome. Anyway, I have no idea what that's going to look like, but that was just a random thing. Thank you for rolling with me on that. I appreciate it. Because that would have been embarrassing if you're like, no, I don't want to really do that this year. <laughs> I'll do it myself then. All right. These are, these are official times of, of group celebration. These are times that are supposed to stir up joy in remembering who we are and praising Jesus and honoring one another. Now, of course, this is also what we do on Sunday mornings. This is what we've done this morning. And it was great. I love, great, great job this morning, worship team. You guys, that was wonderful. The, the, the celebration of Jesus and who he is, uh, honoring him together in a, a large group setting, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, and we are going to keep doing it because this is one of the ways that we celebrate. But of course, we all know that massive celebrations or bigger groups like this, that's not enough. Uh, there, there's more that, you know, if we're called to Christian community, just coming to a big group meeting 
you're gonna, if that's all that's happening, like you're gonna, you're gonna miss out on a lot. Now there's, a, there's kind of a cliche that's been around for quite a while that I sometimes roll my eyes at, but then I find myself using all the time because it's actually a good description, even though I think it's kind of cheesy. And it's this, doing life together. <laughs> you do life, we do life together. Like it's kind of hokey, but I also kind of love it too because that's what community actually looks like, right? We do life together. We don't just celebrate on Sunday morning. We actually are involved in one another's lives. Now there's different degrees and different desires that people have. Like I, I actually grew up for a good period of time living in a, a youth of the mission community. It's literally a community and that you're eating with them pretty much every day, you know, different things like this. And, and that can be great, that can be beautiful, that can also be totally and completely exhausting. Um, and uh, I was actually relieved when we mo- moved off of the YWAM base myself as a kid. It was like, oh, okay, that was a little too much. But the, so there's different degrees of how that works. It's, it's not necessarily an everyday, we're gonna live in a commune kind of thing. That works for some, probably doesn't work for most people. But it does mean that we make an effort to actually be a part of one another's lives. Things like home groups, I think, are a great, great thing. And pastoral staff is in the midst of, uh, of praying, Lord, how do we move forward? Because I feel like we've got some great momentum here as far as the way of peace home groups and getting into each other's lives a little more. So how can we, how can we establish rhythms in our own congregation where we're, we're meeting with people from, from different age groups and these things and walking together? But there's stuff that it should absolutely or can't be planned out or set up by, by Christ Center, like by, by the leadership. Like stuff like having one another over and sharing a meal can be a powerful, powerful time of community, of doing life together where you're actually sharing in joys and in difficulties. You're praying for one another. You're laughing. You're watching movies. You're playing games. Those kinds of things are awesome because we are called to do life together and to celebrate not only the goodness of God, but to celebrate one another. Paul has this wonderful section in 1 Corinthians. I'm gonna read this out of the message because I've read it, we've all read this, the familiar passage, but it really, came, it really, I don't know, it just jumped out at me as I was reading it through the message, which I typically use more as a, a commentary because it's not really a direct translation. Um, but I love the way Peterson puts it here. Uh, and so let's read it out. By the way, the message is published by the good folks at Nav Press. Here we go. First Corinthians 12, 12 to 18, I think. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. By, by means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. That is what we proclaimed in word and in action when we were baptized. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body refreshed and sustained at one fountain. Isn't it great we sang that song this morning? All my fountains are in you. (laughs) I love it. Uh, His spirit where we all come to drink. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free, are no longer useful. We need something larger, more comprehensive. Pause there for a second. You guys, it's in... 
the Christian community that we find true unity and diversity. We find lots of different kinds of people coming, uh, becoming one. And it, this is true. Make this statement that uh, Rebecca McLaughlin makes and, and Baxter. She has a wonderful book, Confronting Christianity, which I've quoted like a million times on a Sunday morning. She makes this statement the Christian church is the most diverse movement in the history of the world, and it's not even close. It's not even close. In Christ, it does not matter your background, it does not matter your race, it does not matter your gender, it does not matter your level of ability, any of these things. In Christ, we are one. The beautiful, beautiful thing about his church. I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If foot said, I'm not elegant like hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body. Would that make it so? Foot's got some attitude, apparently. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> if ear said, I'm not beautiful like I, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you want to remove it from the body? If the body was all eye, how could you hear? If all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. Friends, there is a place for every single one of us, no matter what we offer or what we think we offer. And this is the body of Christ. Now, some of the time, we don't know what it is we offer, and that's one of the reasons we need each other so very much. You guys have been watching the uh, videos Joshua and I have been doing every week in your Way of Peace home groups. Well, this, this week, I invited Pastor Jeff because we're gonna talk about encouragement. <laughs> and Pastor Jeff is kind of an expert in this subject. I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, but that's gonna be specifically what we're looking at. And one of the things that he brings up is that, look, sometimes a person doesn't know what it is they have in them. And it needs to be called out. That's what he calls mining the gold in one another. That we can say, you know what, I see something, I see something beautiful in you, and this is, this is how this inspires me. Did you know that? Did you know that you offer that? And very often it's like, I didn't know. How can we know these things unless we call them out? How can we celebrate unless we're together? I brought this out before, but I love that section in Luke 15. You have the three parables of the lost things. You've got the lost coin. You've got the lost sheep, and then you have the lost son. And each time, uh, these parables, when, when the thing is found, the result is, rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. Rejoice with me, I found the lost coin. Rejoice with me, because my son has returned. You see, rejoicing is a team sport. Good luck rejoicing on your own. You can try, you can, but it's like something's lacking. You're like, oh, wow, happy birthday to me, okay. <laughs> it's the same way with encouragement. Like, it, you can encourage yourself, but I mean, if it's not coming from, it's kind of difficult, you know? Good job, yeah, all right. But you, if you can't see something from the outside, though, sometimes you don't even know what's there. 
As a Christian community, we have the distinct honor and privilege of celebrating one another. Calling it out. Skip over to verse 25. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in that hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. You see, we, we weep together when it's time to weep. We confess together when it's time to confess. But we make a point of celebrating when it's time to celebrate, even when someone else gets blessed, and we don't. If one part flourishes, we all celebrate. And you know, that's the rub, isn't it? This is where it gets, this is where it gets tricky. It's hard to celebrate someone else's victories when you yourself are not in if receiving that some kind of victory. It's hard to celebrate someone else's blessing if you are not feeling blessed. Can I give you the obvious example? I've given this several times here for you guys, and I wrote about this too. But for special needs families, sometimes this can be a really tricky thing. Um, particularly social media can be super tricky, right? If you're, uh, uh, you know, like you have a child that might never hit certain milestones, and then you see other, other parents that are celebrating their children's milestones, as they should. And I have four neurotypicals, and we're constantly celebrating their milestones, right? But it is hard when you're like, there's one here, I'm so glad that your kid just graduated. My kid probably will never graduate from high school, certainly won't stand up and, and give a valedictorian speech. That's just never going to happen. And so we have to be on guard there because that, our, our lack of, of progress or like lack of blessing or victory in this particular you know, area that we're looking at just right then, that can lead to all kinds of bitterness. It can lead to self-pity. It can lead to a, a sort of souring of relationship for something no one else even came close to doing to us. It's just like a thing, you know? Now, that's a specific example, but I think this, it can be true in so many different areas. Somebody else receives a blessing. You've been praying for healing for a long, long time on something, and then someone else just got that healing, you know? Or, or maybe it's not something particularly supernatural. Maybe it's financial blessing that you have worked so hard and are still somehow in debt, and all this stuff has happened. This person over here has hardly worked a day in their life, and yet suddenly they're thriving. You're like, you see, you can let that fester, or you can recognize something. You can recognize this. You have a joy deficiency, obviously. There's a lack of joy. Now, what do you want to do about the lack of joy? You can lament the lack of joy, and please do take that to Jesus, lament before him. But you're going to stay in that posture. Because if you have a lack of joy, then you need to get it from somewhere else. If you're not able to manufacture it, it's like taking, you know, some people need supplements of different things in their body. Maybe you need a joy supplement. I'm very serious. You need to import it from somewhere else. And if you're having difficulty finding it in your own personal situation where you're at, 
then the way to do that is to enter into someone else's celebration. Are you with me? See, because God's doing stuff all around our body, right? All around. And if I just stay here in my own personal bubble, I start thinking that this particular lack or this particular, you know, point of unanswered prayer, whatever it is, like this is all that exists. And this is all that, that, that I can gauge on whether or not God's even good anymore. It all has to do with this dark thing that I'm dealing with or this feeling or this frustration. We need our bubbles to be bigger than our own circumstances. We need to let other people in. And that means risking a little bit of heartbreak here. That means stepping through that place of tenderness and that place that could be bitter and to say, I wanna celebrate this with you. And that means not taking offense when God's blessed someone else in an area that you long for that blessing. That means entering in, say, yes, I accept this. I receive this. God is good. I love you. I'm so happy with what God is doing. And there's something that can break off of us when we do that. When we learn to celebrate one another's victories, something happens. It's like that joy supplement actually can... <laughs> you can even hear that sound effect. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> now, this, this, uh, this would happen with me often when I was really going through my dark night of the soul, right? When, like, the guys are all getting together, you know? And Sarah's like, hey, why don't you go hang out with your friends? Like, yeah, I don't really want to. I don't feel like hanging out with anybody. Right, because I was in my own little bubble of self-pity, right? Honey, why don't you just go? Just go, just go. Okay, fine. Fine, I'll go. I end up going and we end up laughing. We're having a really good time, whatever. <laughs> I come back, I'm like, thanks for making me go. You see? And during that time, you know, I, I came to this several times because I knew my level of joy was low. And so I would, I would occasionally get to this and say, more specifically, I would say to Sarah, I need some Josh Davis time. You know why? Because that man is like a joy factory. Like, he's always laughing. He's making people laugh. He's making me laugh. And I'm like, I recognize I have a joy deficiency right now, and I need some supplements. <laughs> you know? Like, I need to be around this guy because he gets me laughing, and he makes me remember, oh, the world's bigger, you know? And, and I love the joy that he carries, and that's, that's something I love about my brother. We need one another, you guys. We need one another. We need to borrow celebration. And right now, I think our whole country is at that place. Our whole country is in sorrow. We've been in a bubble of it. Much of the world, ah, we know this. We've been in a bubble of crisis. There's been one national crisis. There's been the, the, the political polarization. There's been all kinds of death. There's been all kinds, it's just been this big muddled mess. And the world needs joy right now, like never before, well, like always, but it feels like never before, doesn't it? They're deficient. And there might be even darker days ahead. We don't know. But this I know. Part of being like Jesus means that we remember to celebrate in every season. You are worthy. In every moment, 
you're wonderful. In every season, even dark times, even times when a pandemic is going and there's all kinds of, uh, of, of fears and tension and there's all kinds of madness all around us that he is still good and we can still light a candle or light a lamp on our porch and still somehow sing and still laugh in the middle of these times. Because here's what I think, friends. I think our world is ready for it, desperate for it, I think that the presence of our laughter and the presence of our singing and the presence of our love for one another, even when we completely disagree, it is a massive signal to the world that God might actually be out there, that darkness is not the only thing that exists, but that there really is light and there really is love and there really is something worth living for. The world needs that message and it's ready for that message. And I think we have a very unique and wonderful opportunity to show that because we're the people of Jesus and Jesus had a reputation to celebrate. What if we took that on? What if we took that on in an even more serious way? We are, I feel like we are a people who celebrate, but what if we just got intentional and said, you know what? We're, we're gonna do this even more than we did before. We're gonna, we're gonna open our homes to one another even more. We're gonna have backyard fire pits. We're not gonna worry about making our homes perfect like some little better homes or housekeeping or whatever kind of magazine. Everything's perfect, right? We just be casual. We can share our real life. Here, come sit down on my carpet. I didn't vacuum yesterday. Hope that's all right. You know what I mean? Like casual hospitality as we call it here. What if we just determined that even in the middle of all of this stuff, we were going to celebrate God's goodness and celebrate one another? You know what I would love to see? I, I would love for, for, to, 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 to walk around this town and to hear laughter coming from backyards. And, and, and I would love to see a neighbor out there raking leaves and rolling her eyes and going, oh, those people are always celebrating. They're probably Jesus people. They're probably those Christ center crazies, you know? These guys are always, those guys are always laughing and having a good time. Bah humbug. You know, I would, I would love that to be our reputation. I would love for that to be my reputation. Do you see what I'm saying? Because that was his. That was his. Joy is real. Paul Nunn sent this to me. I, I thought this was fantastic. This was done. Uh, I can't remember the man's name, actually. I should have written it down, but it's in a, his book called Every Moment Holy. And he has different prayers and liturgies for different events that we might have, just like day-to-day -day kind of events. And I thought this was super awesome. I wasn't raised in a liturgical church. Maybe some of you were and, and don't love liturgy for different reasons, but some of this could be really, really helpful as far as helping us to remember what we're about. Can you, can you hear this? Here, just check this out. Here, here's what, we, we actually did this in, in Paul and Ann's backyard one night before we ate, and I just loved it. Here it is. It, it's long, so I trimmed it down a bit, but to, <laughs> to gather joyfully is indeed a serious affair. For feasting and all enjoyments gratefully taken are at their heart acts of war. In celebrating this feast, we declare that evil and death, suffering and loss, sorrow and tears will not have the final word. But the joy of fellowship and the welcome and comfort of friends new and old 
And the celebration of these blessings of food and drink and conversation and laughter are the true evidence of things eternal and are the first fruits of that great, glad joy that is to come and that will be unending. So let our feast this day be joined to those sure victories secured by Christ. Let it be to us now a delight and a glad foretaste of his eternal kingdom. Take joy, O king, in this feast. Take joy, O king. All will be well. And the participants then take up that same cry. All will be well. Nothing good and right and true will be lost forever. All good things will be restored. Feast and be reminded. Take joy, little flock. Take joy. Let battle be joined. Let battle be joined. Do you hear that message? Our feasting, our celebration, our rejoicing is an act of war against the darkness. It's an act of war against sorrow. It's an act of war against depression. It's an act of war against fear and all of these other things where we gather and say, yeah, we know, we see the darkness. Oh, we're not denying the darkness, but the light is greater. And Jesus is unending and his laughter is unending and his kingdom will go on and on and on. And even little gifts like, like good food, even little gifts like, like, like a song, even little gifts like a campfire remind us of his goodness that will not end. Amen. It's an act of war against the darkness. What if we just did that, you know? What if we just took that on? Can you guys take that on with me? That no matter how hard it gets, that we remind each other of the goodness of Jesus Christ and that we continue to be involved in one another's lives and continue to celebrate him, even if there's fear and chaos all around us? Because that is the reputation of Jesus Christ. And that's what he's asked us to do. What a great commandment, isn't it? I want your joy to be full. Like, here, here, be one so your joy can be made full. That's why he calls us to be one. Can you receive that? Let's stand together.